Hi, welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with me today is a, a good friend and host of None of the Above on Cheddar. It's J.D. Durkin. J.D., man, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Great to be here, man. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you, Very happy, a uh, little, little bit of a belated happy Thanksgiving, man, but, yeah, uh, but great happy to Happy Thanksgiving with you, to you, too, by the way. So I tell you what, we're going to take a short break and, uh, you know, make some money. And when we come back, we've got something really cool this week. It's the top 10 list of our, our top 10 list of news stories of the year. We're going to compare and contrast, have a little fun and see where we are. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, just ask the question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, J-A-T-Q Podcast. That's J-A-T-Q Podcast. Again, that's at J-A-T-Q Podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with me is uh, none of the above, host of none of the above on Cheddar every weeknight. JD and uh, JD Durkin and JD I'm you know this the I, I brought you on because I you know you get to see the news like I do you know every day and so after mm -hmm. a year I thought why not put our heads together and see what we think the top 10 stories of the year are so we're going to start each of us I'll, I'll let you go first this uh, will be the number 10 what's your number wait, wait, wait. I hold on I have a confession here Yes. I think I misunderstood. I think I misunderstood the assignment. Uh oh. I thought I thought we were coming up with random top ten lists. Like oh, you pick your own list and sort of thing. Mine is not. My mine's kind of newsy. My, mine is tied to a lot of news, but my, I went. I went into a little bit of a different direction here, Kara. I didn't know we were doing top ten news stories. Of yes, the year. top ten news stories. What's your top ten news stories of the year, you bastard? <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. You blew the I put assignment? together a different list. I, put, I blew the assignment. I put together a different list. My list was the top, top TV shows that I mindlessly binged this year. Oh, all in right. 2021. Go ahead. Number 10. But a lot, a lot of them are, are kind of tied to news. Go ahead. Number 10. All right. My, my number, my number 10 TV show, I mindlessly binged total guilty pleasure, not a show that has aged well. But I did rewatch it this year's Entourage. Are you an Entourage fan? Yeah, I watched. <laughs> yes, I have. Not, I, I didn't binge watch it though. Yeah, not a show that has that has stood the test of time very well. No, but one of these things that still gets written about in the news from time to time. You know, when the guys kind of make news, they're always known from the Entourage world. And uh, guilty pleasure show. Not the best show that's ever been made, but that was number ten on my on my misunderstood assignment list. <laughs> All right. My number ten. <laughs> The uh, top 10 stories of the year. My number 10 was uh, Aaron Rodgers and his NFL COVID foot. I'm so, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so sick of the NFL to begin with, but it seemed like everything with 
Rogers was every week there was something. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's kind of just hit me as one of the stories that wouldn't go away. And when he started saying that he uh, valued Joe Rogan instead of, uh, you know, uh, doctors, that was, that, I think that it was, a, I think it was a surprise to a lot of people because I think they said, well, this dude's like a part-time Jeopardy host. Like clearly he's been vaccinated, right? He knows what he's talking about, but he, he pulled a fast one though. In one press conference, yes, he's he just did. like, whatever he says, like, I've been inoculated or something. He, he played yeah. with his words in a clever way, intentionally immunized. Yeah. That was the yeah. BS line he used. I, I, I like Kirk Cousins. He, he didn't get uh, vaccinated, but he, he just came out and said, look, I didn't get vaccinated. So, I mean, he, he, he had the courage of his convictions, even if he's kind right. of goofy, but uh, Rogers lied to us. So that one to me, because of COVID was number 10. Okay. So your number nine show that you binge watched. Well, it's, it is close to news. It doesn't make a news making show. Have you watched the morning show on Apple? Yes, I have seen that too. So I, that ties, that, that's a very newsy show, a show about newsrooms, our world of television. Very yes. cutthroat. I think it's very well done. It's a sort of show that has kind of matched the tone and tenor of our broader social conversations. We've, we've changed our standards for better in our public discourse. And it's a show that kind of matches that and, and is constantly in the news. Yeah, I'm going to have a few here that kind of overlap <laughs> yeah. with, with news headlines of the years, my man. I'm well, not totally I, unprepared. I, it it kind of reminds me of the newsroom, uh, a little bit of yeah. Jeff Daniels. But it's um, it's written differently. The tenor is different, but it's it reminds me of that show because because it's about our business. So that, right, yeah, all right. So my number nine, <laughs> top top show or no top news story of the year, uh, the Pentagon taking a closer look at UAPs. That uh, I, it's grown that you know well you know. I remember being in the briefing room years ago when there was a guy, a uh, defrock minister, who would always ask about uh, Area 51, Bigfoot, and aliens. And um, he'd get called on, according to Mike McCurry, he said, look, I just call him to make the rest of you guys look like idiots. But uh, <laughs> that's nowadays, it's actually a thing. It's uh, become much more um, mainstream, the, 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 the news. So I picked that as one of mine what'd you think it is a it is a bizarre i mean it is a you know for all the intrigue about it, it is a national security implication and i think that's part of the seriousness on the hill people saying okay it's all fun and games it's cool to make the uh you know the Mulder and scully jokes but yeah. we should probably actually legit figure out what these these videos have going on to see the navy take it more seriously the, yeah. the marco rubio is on capitol hill rubio helps lead that charge to say I think it, this is not necessarily something to joke around about. So that, that's a great one to yeah, have and, on and that list. Uh, talking to some of the Navy pilots uh, when they were on the Hill testifying and, you know, you talk to a guy who's a, you know, top gun pilot and he's going, I, you know, I put this, my, uh, my plane to a hard bank I'm banking it, you know, and, and, and kicking it out as, as fast as I can. And this guy's keeping right with me. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I know, I know it's not one of us. So yeah, it made me think that uh, I, I want to see where that story goes next year. Yeah, All that's right. a good one to follow. Number eight, your 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 uh, binge watch shows. No, number eight's another big news one, man. This one shook global news. This is Squid yeah. Game. Were you into Squid no, Game? Squid Game. I've seen a couple of episodes, but I'm not into that one. Squid, Squid Game, major, major game player. One of Netflix's, if not the most successful show they've ever had. 
this amazing South Korean thriller. This thing made headlines yeah. for well over a month, constantly day in, day out with how, with how well done it was, the inventive storytelling. It, it had me absolutely hooked. And I, as soon as I started, I said, son of a, why did I start this? Why did I, because now I'm just going to be stuck here going next, next, next. And a uh, type of show that made a ton of headlines and I thought was well worth the hype. Yeah. Was it, you liked it? I liked it a lot. Yeah. Very cool. And you're, and you've watched every episode now. Watched every episode. I went back, I rewatched Parasite. There's a bunch of other just amazing, similar vein kind of South Korean cinema and storytelling that's been made that uh, I, I've slowly gotten more into. It really sucked me in. Well, I, I like the South Korean storytelling better than the North Korean, but. <laughs> yes, accurate. <laughs> That's just me. Right? For sure. <laughs> so speaking of North Korea, my number eight, my number eight story of the year, foreign policy, uh, Afghanistan. We got out of Afghanistan, uh, Russia, China. And of course, you know, we pissed off our buddies in France with Australia. So I, I, Getting away from Donald Trump and going to uh, Biden, I think foreign policy and how we how we look in the world going forward will continue to be a huge story to look at. Yeah. Do you do you see that the way a lot of people here in town do that? That was the sort of beginning of a very rough period for this White House. Uh, I you know here's the thing about that. I thought that what they've had a rough time and it built up and this was an excuse given to 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 you know to tip the scale but from the very beginning this administration has had a rough time with its messaging because mm -hmm. while they say hey we're you know we're we're friends of the press they have really limited press access more so than trump ever did so there are people who are going hey you keep saying you're my friend but uh you're sticking it to me so they were waiting mm -hmm. i think there were members of the media who were waiting to return the favor and stick it to him and afghanistan sure. Afghanistan was where they could do it. Wow. That's personally what I think. I mean, come on. He got out of there. That's that's what we've been screaming to do for, you know, 20 some odd years. And he obviously cares about the people. It's just how they messaged it, how they didn't, you know, how they weren't prepared for the Taliban's quick takeover. Um, yeah. And, and you know, they, they did move the equivalent of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, you know, across the globe in, what, a month. So... They did some right things, but yeah, I think it was the uh, beginning of problems for them. Yeah, it's possible to do the right thing, maybe the wrong way. And I think that's maybe the sort of thing where, where I mean, in, in terms of like actual execution, it's not that far from what President Trump wanted to do, right? I mean, you're not talking about a vastly, right? I mean, just, nope, a couple not, of years ago, the yeah. other guy was saying the exact same thing virtually yep. actually helped get it going, but. Um, yes. Yeah, it could 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 be something they they sort of deal with for for a bit, and you know you do kind of wonder. I think the most important part of stories like that are, are is is the human toll and the human element in terms of the community that's been ravaged and will continue to suffer. The political implications take a backseat, but the political implications I I think will rear their ugly heads as we are closer to the midterms. Yeah, I think they're going to be using it as uh, uh, against him, against Biden and the Democrats. I think. The Republicans yeah. will use Afghanistan as, you know, say he's weak on this. He didn't do that. Whereas he's actually did the same thing that, you know, Trump said he wanted to do. He just did it. Mm -hmm. They just didn't communicate it very well to the American public. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. So, all right. Number seven, last one before we take our first break. 
Number seven, what's your seven binge watch show? It's a quirky one. It's a strange one on HBO called The White Lotus. Did you watch The White Lotus? Wow, you, you watched The White Lotus? I, 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 I do have a personal bias I'm going to establish that a longtime friend of mine is on the show, Natasha Rothwell. She's ah. so funny and talented. And she's been a friend of mine in the comedy world since way before I was a reporter. Uh, she went on to be a writer for SNL. She was on the show H, uh, uh, Insecure on HBO for several years, and she had a, a great contributing part on this show. So uh, that was also one that made a lot of news headlines, even if the headlines were along the lines of like, why this show is so weird? Why are we watching this? Why are we, this is such a quirky, bizarre show. And but you, didn't even have to this. Eat, you didn't even have to eat the brownies to, to think it was weird. No, no, totally sober. You could sit yeah. there, leave the brownies yeah. at home or, or take them along with you. And you're kind of saying, God, this has a weird thing to kind of piece together. So I'll establish my personal bias. Could not be happier to see Natasha's career blow up. And that's my number seven, <laughs> my number seven pick. Here's, here's my number seven pick, yep. gerrymandering. I think oh, that coming out of uh, the uh, 2020 and, and taking a look at, um, uh, at, at the census and then how they're going to gerrymander districts going into 2021 could uh, in 2022 could uh, for midterms could really be impactful for everybody across mm -hmm. the country. For everybody, both parties too. both yeah. parties do it. Yes. <laughs> you you yes. claim your pound of flesh when you can. Yeah. Sort of thing. Uh, and, and gerrymandering districts so that you never, you get to pick your voters instead of your voters picking you. I think it's it got to be a huge change that, you know, it's uh but I don't see I don't see that happening with Democrats and Republicans as far apart as they are. Agreed. Yeah, man. And you, yeah. you you've seen the weird shape of some of these districts, man. How they come out? These dragon-looking things that have no business being being grouped together the way that they are, and ever in state after state, it's very bizarre. Yeah, and that some and they they should be, but sometimes aren't contiguous. So you got an ink blot here, ink blot there. I and mm -hmm. and what makes it you know well it goes down this corridor down the street. Yeah, but there's nobody that lives there. Ah, but that's yeah. the district. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think that'll be uh, interesting. So I tell you what, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back for the next four. I can't wait to hear what your four binge watch next are. <laughs> so stick around. It's just ask the question. I am your host, Brian Kerman with us, J.D. Durkin from None of the Above on Cheddar. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Eat your brownies now, please. Coming back, dude, dude, dude. I'm so sorry about that, man. I, no, that's I think it's hilarious. I was like, "What's the top 10? And I was like, "You're like anything." And I was like, "Dude, I watched a lot of uh, fucking yeah, TV I, I this year." Any news? Any news? <laughs> I hope this is all right, dude. I hope I didn't blow. This I think up it's for hilarious. You, I I'm love like it. Mortified. I'm mortified sitting yeah. here. All right, all right. Coming back in three, two, one. Hi, we're back. It's just asked the question. I am your host, Brian Caraman. We're having fun with a top 10 list of binge watch shows versus a top 10 list of uh, the top news stories of the year. So <laughs> we're going to go with number six on your binge watch show list. What is it, JD? Classic, Breaking Bad. How are you going to ah. go wrong with Breaking Bad? I had never seen it until this year. Really? And that, that's my sort of news. And that's a show that I think will make news and at least be talked about in the zeitgeist forever for the, re for the, rest, of, for the rest of history. And they it's gave that, us that, Never Call Saul. <laughs> they gave us Never Call Saul. There was a, a spinoff Netflix movie. Um, yes. I didn't watch yet, but I, I couldn't put it down. Not great on my sleep cycles and my dreams. I remember watching too many episodes late at night thinking, my God, this is, 
this is not the best content to take into the brain before I uh, get my REM cycles, but it's one of those things like, God, why didn't I watch this years ago? Big fan. Yeah. I, I, I watched that a lot. And I, I, you know, you, Brian Cranston is just amazing when you watch him. Oh yeah. I, I you, you can watch the guy read a newspaper. I mean, do we have newspapers mm-hmm. anymore? But I mean, <laughs> you know, the old saying is read a phone book, but he's, I, I like him. And, um, I, I like all the supporting characters in it too. I, I They're awesome. Well-written, well-acted. Agreed. Talk, talking of well-edited and well-acted, my number, my number six is story of the year is the Supreme Court. So take, take your pick. <laughs> yeah. I Which think we're taking, I, I think what we're taking a look at now and it's uh, just how far to the right it's gone and how dangerous it's going to be. And, um, I don't know, you know, the decision still hadn't come down about abortion, but you can see where this is leading. And uh, a woman's right to choose, while considered sacrosanct for the last 50 years, is now going to, I think, be severely and seriously compromised, Mm -hmm. which leads you to all other, to all kinds of other questions about what's going to happen on the Supreme Court. And um, since Biden has refused to stack it and is, he's going to have to get some people to, he's going to, A, I think that if they're hoping to keep it close to being even, they're going to have to get somebody in next year before the midterms um, of the return. All eyes on Breyer there. Yeah. All eyes. I mean, that's, that's, that's got, that's got, that's your guy. You've only got one there basically, unless, you know, um, I don't know. I don't see anyone else stepping aside. It's gotta be Breyer. And that's that pressure. We we've had Democrats start to kind of, begin to say that thing, um, begin to say that thing out loud, Mon- Mondaire Jones um, from, from New York City. He was the first, it was on our show with me, one-on-one, and, and he was the first House member to say out loud what Democrats have told you and me privately, which is, yeah, Breyer better step aside respectfully. Thanks for all your service, but did we not just learn our lesson a few years ago? That's what the congressman right. told me. And since then kind of began to slowly open up those floodgates. But you did hear it in the oral, oral arguments this week, though, on that case, right? Kavanaugh sitting there saying, well, isn't this an issue that could be better served up to Congress? And Justice Barrett arguing these safe haven laws. In other words, um, you know, bring a pregnancy to term and can we establish good, good things by which to just put the baby up for adoption sort of thing. And that really indicates to you in that questioning potentially where, where this is going, if not a full overturn, at least a severe erosion of, of what we've had for for about 50 years and which is scary because i you know as a kid i remember the stories of women having abortions you know with coat hangers and back alleys and my god i hope we don't go back to that that's yeah. uh, that you know well i think you'll have pockets of the united states where you can have abortions and pockets where you can't and it's going to be hell for those uh women and and young women to go someplace and get an abortion when they need one mm-hmm so that was the Supreme Court. Now, number five. You're, you're number five. five. Of, this, this is another big newsmaker. And I, it's a popular one, but like, how, you can't, I can't say no to Ted Lasso. Oh, that's a major newsmaker, major I award winner. It's, I, I mean, been, it's in the national conversation constantly. Yeah. And it is. And it's because he's, yeah, uh, he, nobody's as sweet as Ted Lasso. Yeah. <laughs> And they had too good, too good to be true. Microaggressions. I've heard every term uh, applied to him, and I find I find his character fascinating. Yes, and how it's written, and I love. And, we, and we do. Love. 
the uh, she yeah she's yeah. just tremendous a tremendous character and i think for this whole era of television we've had for the anti-heroes like the breaking bads the sopranos of the world to sort of have the ultimate hero hero just just deeply steeped in this sort of uh humility and good faith and to drive a show around that type of energy was was different at the time and also kind of speaks to the broader conversation on like the streaming giants which is incredibly newsy yeah that the apple tvs are are now serious contenders for awards it used to used to be a joke that Netflix would be nominated for an Emmy and now they're the top dog. You yeah. know, they're sort of beating these legacy. That's a, that's a, that's a legit news contribution. If I were to follow the assignment, well, you know, the, the strength of the Apple TVs and Netflix is, is amazing. How did you feel about the uh, character turn at the end of this season with his assistant coach turning into Nathan a great? <laughs> yeah, I, I, so, yes. Yeah. So for me, what I've grown to appreciate, I felt disappointed watching it, but what I've since reflect is that I love that they've taken all the other characters and made them forces for good. And they're just going to turn this one innocent, sweet character and go complete 180 yeah. as this ultimate foil. And they're going to, they're going to, they're soil his character and his decision-making and everyone else is moving towards good. The owner started as like a bit of a villain. She yeah. was a force of opposition. She warmed up. Other forces of opposition, like difficult players, warmed up to him. And I love that he took the original supportive sidekick character yeah. and basically said, we're going to turn this guy into, into an the asshole. ultimate Marvel villain possible and just track the story. So I've actually grown to appreciate it and put my disappointment aside. Well, I, I, I like you was disappointed at the beginning, but then I went back and rewatched it and it was there the whole time. The reason for the turn, they, mm. they really wrote the nuance excellently about getting him to that turn from his parents, not respecting him to the coaches, not respecting him. And it's just all builds on him. And finally he's, you know, he wants his, he wants his turn. And yeah, uh, I, 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 yeah, I agree with you. I, I like it. So number five for me, I, I still think it's gotta be climate change. I think it's one of the most underreported under, and it affects the most people on the planet. And, you know, I, I would put it at number one, except all the other stuff that I have higher, <laughs> it also affects all of us. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I, I would go, you know, these top five are, are all, you know, just a hair breadth apart. I, but I think it's what we've failed to uh, report about climate change, the denial, uh, the fact that it should be its own beat every, you know, a, a daily beat. Um, I think we're underreporting it. And I think we're, uh, missing the point of how dangerous the planet has become to us. Yeah, absolutely. How closely did you, you find me? Obviously we had the big IPCC report that sort of red, red light warning that came out in August and yeah. then, um, and then the cop 26 stuff, you know what I mean? But you still do yeah. have, you know, these, these, these squabbles and fights on, on the Hill, you look at these massive bills they're trying to pass and they're still just picking fights over some of the most inane stuff possible yeah. Instead of the spirit of just making broader progress, any any step in the right direction. Yeah, well, I, I and I I still think there are people who are just complete morons and don't get how dangerous it is. I mean, you know, they're the ones that will walk into the, you know, Congress with a snowball in their hand and go, oh look, there's no no climate change. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's frightening. But you know, I I I think the, um, you know, we're 20 years away from. I, I mean, if we don't change shit the planet will become too hot for us. Mm -hmm. So it's your kids, my kids, uh, grandchildren that are going to suffer uh, because of the stupid mistakes that we've made and the fact that we ignore it. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's the most frightening thing that we face. But not a story going away. No, ever. Worse, worsening by the day and, and uh, the importance of which should needs to continue to be underscored, uh, I think, by the day, by all the power players, especially here in D.C. All right. Number four. Number, it's, it's, it's so fun to go from the serious news ones to be like, I got this jerky TV show to follow it up with. But <laughs> the, the, this one I really like. I'm going far and again. Are you familiar with a show on Netflix called Lupin? Lupin? Yes. L-U-P-I-N? Yes. You've a, been, a been watching Lupin? I watched it this year. Um, you'll notice that some of these shows are not new shows. These are just oh. ones that I got sucked into this year. Um, oh. Lupin was really interesting. It's a French kind of art heist thriller, really clever twist and yep. storytelling. It's got like a really positive energy. I was actually turned into it because some interview Bill Gates was doing, which was about sort of COVID and all this other stuff. And he was asked about new ways of storytelling. He's like, I don't watch a lot of TV. He's like, but you know, my, it's like at the house we do, you know, did watch uh, the show Lupin with this, like, you know, really clever, so much great storytelling being made around the world. And that got me into it. Bill Gates accidentally got me into it. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I liked it a lot. I recommend it a lot. And that's, that's number four on my list. Number four, number four on my list, supply-side economics, the economy. Um, uh, Biden trying to repaint or recast um, the economy in this country, taking it out of supply-side economics and building from the ground up after 40 years of, of Ronald Reagan's uh, trickle-down theory. And of course, I guess going alongside that, uh, the economy is surging, but so is inflation. So mm -hmm. the economy inflation, I think those are huge stories. And I think they're nationwide, I mean, worldwide stories that are going to affect this around the globe. What did Carville say? It's the economy, stupid. I, I knew I'd tee up for it. I knew, I knew you'd spike <laughs> that ball down. It's the economy, stupid, right? And that's, that's in the era of Clinton holds as much true today. You know, do, I mean, I'm curious, do you, is there one party of the two that you think messages better on the economy? If the economy is the most important issue and that includes the kitchen table issues that motivates voters, is there one party that you think is doing a better job just on messaging and convincing voters that they are the party of better economics? Well, since we've been stuck with supply side economics for 40 years, you're going to have to give the tip of the hat to the Republicans in that regard. But um which is they beat that capitalism drum, man, on conservative oh on conservative God. media, right? All the free time. enterprise, free market, yeah. blah blah blah. You the Larry Kudlow extension yeah. of the Fox News orbit. You know what I'm talking about? Because yes, we exactly. were there with Larry every day at the White House, yeah. right? Like you know the way he was. So that that just permeates and has a way of like it literally yeah. trickles down in terms of messaging into into people's brains. Well, that's you know I have always said we have two uh, parties in this country: one of no heart and one of no head. And uh, the Republicans have, you know, the, the, they beat the capitalism drum all the time. And the Democrats mm -hmm. are just horrible about selling their ideas. They don't do it very well. But I, I can't say that supply side economics is better for us. I think it's created a great disparity of wealth in the last 40 years in the U.S. And I think that it's, uh, it's horrifying to see what the country has become and that people are actually arguing about whether or not we should have, you know, like, Healthcare. <laughs> what do we need that for? I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. You go ahead and die. That's that's the way we should right. do it. But yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt that the Republicans are better at messaging. They scare the shit out of people usually. Mm -hmm. I think it's um, 
our friend Molly Jong Fast, who likes to say that Democrats bring a stuffed animal to a knife fight when it comes yes. to messaging with the GOP. And the economy is one of those issues where, man, they got those talking yeah. points and it's just repetition, relentless GOP messaging yeah. on these and things. I mean, the, the Biden crisis, the Biden supply chain, you know, the most expensive Thanksgiving. I mean, that is now firmly in the brains of so many people. They just beat that. They beat that drum, man. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, I'm going, drums out of tune. Can we get a better drum? But no, they beat the shit out of it. People listen to it. I I ran into in-laws over the holiday who were just, you know, Biden's going to take us to hell. There's just no way. He's horrible. We we need Trump and we need the free market. And I, I'm not even going to go there, but yeah, that's so number three, last number three. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to switch the order of my three. So my last two are more newsy because I do think okay. they're like broader news. So I'm going to adjust. Right. So my, my number three show is a show on Amazon and I did not know television could be this good. It's a show called the boys. Have you ever seen the boys? Oh my God. Yes. I love the boys. <laughs> Watched every episode of it twice. When, when Superman's jerking off from a building, you know you've got the right show. That's <laughs> I mean, Hol- Homelander is the Homelander. most oddly terrifying character I've ever watched. Oh, and yeah. I just sat there repeatedly on the show and said, I didn't know a show could be made that's this good. Yeah. That's how I really felt about it. It's so clever, so dark, this, this, this black comedy and, and very satirical and <laughs> yeah. incredibly graphic and inappropriate. But man, it makes you laugh. And it really pokes fun at the broader sh- superhero genre and you name it, man. I knew oh. that'd be right up your alley. I was like, Karen's definitely a fan <laughs> yeah. of boys. And shows. politics. I love how <laughs> it goes after politics. The, hey, the Nazi absolutely. Broad, yeah, the Nazi screaming lady. That's, yeah. Was- yeah, and they and they incorporate characters that are reminiscent of, of actual people on the hill, and, and all those conversations and regulations, and they they did find a way to kind of tie in the our, our mess of the swamp here in DC onto this oh, yeah. otherwise very dark show in a very. Funny I, I'll way. tell you my favorite line in the show when <laughs> when the butcher is he's talking to the little kid and he's sending him on his way, and he goes, "Now you remember what I told you?" And he goes, "Don't be a cunt." And he goes, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so it's wild, so man. They, they can get away with a lot on that show. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff we can yeah. never Billy get. Billy Butcher is such a great character, man. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I love his character. But Homelander's pretty, I mean, like you said, the, the, the acting and the writing in that is just so dark. And uh, But at yeah. the same time, it's just very, very funny. I just yeah. I, I can't stop laughing even as I'm going I, I really wouldn't want to meet this guy <laughs> yeah. I know I knew as soon as I said I was like if he knows this show Karen's gonna have the greatest reaction as soon as I yeah. say the voice and you did man you delivered it, it's such a great if anyone hasn't seen it listening it's uh you gotta have the stomach for it but it's worth yeah. it if you do so uh my number three before we go to the break a free press I think that the story of uh how um we have been compromised is starting to there's vast news deserts in the United States where there's no news. Um, large mainstream media is, you know, bought and sold and paid for by five companies that pretty much own everything that, and then at the white house, they all are the ones who get the closest proximity to the president. So Mm -hmm. real independent news is gone. And I I think that's a, a, a very scary fact and i think you know what uh, trump tried to do uh 
yanking press credentials and trying to, you know, calling us the enemy of the people has created a backlash. And I, I think there is some institutional problems in the press too that they take advantage of. And the government started all of it with Ronald Reagan back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And they created uh, the large companies that exist. And then they try to blame us for the problems they created. Yeah, absolutely. And you see those issues a lot, right? At debates and, you know, so-and-so reporters not allowed in. Those, those stories have a unique way of like boi- boiling the blood. Um, I- I've always thought, at least in, you know, covering the White House, you know, the last few years, you've covered it much longer than I have. Do you, you feel as if the press corps in there has each other's backs? No. Do you sense a pressure from the way you don't see that? No, no. you don't sense that. <laughs> Do you? Do you? Uh, not, not always. Some people have said, you know, if one if you infringe on, you know, you take a Costa's badge or other people inclined to kind of stand up for a Costa or so. And so, you know, I, I think there's some people here in town that that recognize what you're talking about, kind of have one another's backs, which is separate from the news desert conversation and the degradation yeah. of, of local news, which is which is I mean, what do you do for those communities? Right. This era of media consolidation and the court, would you say five owners? Yeah. Five, the, the, five the Comcast or. Yeah. Yeah. There are five corporate owners that own about 90 percent of what you see reader here. And that's one of the things that's uh, contributed to, to the vi- divisiveness in the country is, you know, look, you had a, a local newspaper, or a local radio station that was talking about uh, getting potholes fixed or mm-hmm. stoplights. That's not a red or blue issue. That's something everybody agrees on, you know? Yeah. And so that helped build consensus. And now, and so since we don't have media now, you know, building from the ground up, but from the top down, it's more mm-hmm. divisive. And the way you get attention is, you know, scream, rant, and rave to the right, scream, rant, and rave to the left, and never really take care of, you know, news. How many times have you watched, you know, and I've been on them. I know you have too, where you're on panel shows and you don't solve anything. It's just people yelling at each other for a few minutes and then you go, and now, you know, moving on. Thanks for being Mm -hmm. here. We'll catch you next time. So it's not really in the news. So, but as far as getting each other's back, that's never, that's rarely been the case. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's, there used to be a little more institutional knowledge in the White House. So there was more of it, you know, hey, no, mm-hmm. that's not right. I'm pushing back with them, um, but not so much anymore. And well, they, well said on, on institutional knowledge. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And what, what I think we have is a very incestuous relationship now between the press and those in power. You know, and it's so incestuous. It's like a step away from being a full-blown Greek tragedy. You know, mm-hmm. or, or access you know, accusations of access journalism, right? You got yes. your sources, and you're, you know, you don't want to piss them off. And yeah. um, what, what I will say, it's kind of gone hand in hand with this. And I don't know how much you're, I mean, you're, you're in the land a bit yourself here, but you know, in this last year, or really the last few years, though, we have seen at the same time this surge in more independent journalism in the form of Substack and Patreon, and I think at the yep. same time as we've had this media consolidation, the barriers to entry in a different way have also never oh, quite Lord. been lower. Right. Anyone who's empowered to have the setup you and I have can broadcast, can build a brand. I think in some respects that is good, that is democratizing how information comes from people that want to inform consumers. I think that also comes with a heavy dosage of bad faith and misinformation and it means you don't have that barrier where right. at least people have are credentialed or whatever it is, the spread of COVID-19 misinformation on these wacky little channels that may not get mainstream pickup, but you realize you say, shit, black shit, that person's broadcast to 100,000 people. Yeah, a million yeah. people. 
yeah. from this little this little channel from this person that spouts off these things. And as we saw during the Trump years, sometimes those fringe voices have a way of working their way into White House policy. You know, when you see headlines that Trump was in active communication with uh, the Alex Joneses of the world on his campaign, yeah. that makes you say, here's a dude who was <clears throat> self-empowered to create his own thing and now is becomes an accidental sort of outside advisor to the guy <laughs> with the red button. That's a, that's a problem. So I, it is a double-edged sword. Well, and I think, yeah, well, I was there the day when he had the, his, uh, his uh, um, podcasters and media folks on the White House lawn in, in the Rose Garden and we all had to sit, stand around outside. And so the, uh, his, his brand of media got, you know, a center stage. And so Trump has embraced it, but I think the greater problem is it's the barrier entry is lower, but we don't, there are people that are involved in it who really don't understand. And, and anybody can be a journalist. I mean, it's like, you don't have to take a test. You're not licensed, but you have to have a commitment to um and, and i think that commitment starts with at least one copy editor i don't think you're really a a journalist or a reporter until you've had more than one pair of eyes on copy so that mm. you, know, you can go all right hey you said this here but i don't i, I don't get it what do you mean and you know at least that so that there's mm -hmm. a, you can look at copy and, and that doesn't mean that I mean, we all do live shots. You're not going to have a copy editor copy it, you know, edit your copy when you got to go up live. But you're going sure. to you're going to go up live. But the ability for printed material to be edited really makes a difference. And so when the barriers of entry are low, and you don't have that edit process, and you have people pushing their their brand of lunacy, that's where you end up with you know people going, who was it that said you know don't take the vaccine because it'll be a it's got a tracker in it and Satan will find you or whatever. I, you know, Jesus Christ, I, I, mm -hmm. I did not take enough acid that that would ever come into mind. So a little bit more, maybe yeah. would, would put in that mindset, but yeah. a few more brownies. Yeah. That's well, the brownies are over here. We're waiting till we're done. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to take a short break. And when we get back, we'll have our top two. Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you, and we need your help. Seriously. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Kerman. With me is J.D. Durkin from None of the Above on Chatter. And so we had, uh, you know, he actually did None of the Above. I asked for the top 10 news stories. He gave me None of the Above. <laughs> <laughs> I live up to the name, Brian. Yeah, but to do. I do. Okay. I do <laughs> like your top ten. Top ten shows to binge watch. So, <laughs> but because there are, there are some newsy ties in, newsy right. tie-ins. Sometimes we're, we're to the top two. What's your number two? I'm gonna I'm gonna tie in and and recognize a tremendous actor that we lost this year um, from The Wire. 
Um, and that is, I think this, so the show, the, the show is the wire that I watched through. Yes. And that's another one of those classics that I had never before seen. Really? And I never watched over all these years. I thought it kind of started earlier in the year, still kind of lockdown periods and not an easy watch, undeniable classic. And one of those things that I sat there and said, my God, why did I not ever watch this show before? It is, it is incredible. And you really get into the politics of, of Baltimore and the guys yes, in the docks and the guys in the pit in West Baltimore. When you see this, what it takes to like run a, a, a mayoral campaign in a city like that and the kind of the dirty democratic machine, it's a show that really hits, hits the politics on it, man. And I, I loved it. That's easily my number two. And, and so who was, you said you were in all of an actor. Who was the actor you were in all Oh, of? oh, uh, Michael K. Williams. Who oh, plays oh, yes. Omar, Omar yeah. on the show. We, we just yeah. recently lost him. Yes, yeah. yeah. So that, that's it. In terms of like, you know, newsy. Um, I think the guy news making an, an important simplicity. Absolutely. New, news making, you know, these uh, <laughs> actors that, that we lost this year that I think will be remembered for their craft. And, and that was just, that was a character that really sort of, you know, he, I think he's a fan favorite, but, but Michael K. Williams really sort of humanized this character um, in this really constantly vulnerable situation. I think really helped people really rethink, um, you know, yes, the place of a character like that on television, but also just the, the basic humanity and, and at, strangely at times decency. Yes, he absolutely had criminality to him, but there's also kind of just person to person, a man with a code sort yeah, of thing was what he was known for and, and that's a tremendous loss this year that yeah, we have and he had a, a well i don't know conscious is the word conscience is the word but yes he had he had a code and that's what, yeah yeah that was that made the show actually yeah right. it absolutely did my number two of the top 10 news stories of the year number two i'm going to go with a new space race oh what a great one yeah. what a great one i mean you've got a new uh, space station up there. You got Russia trying to knock our space shit out of orbit. <laughs> you got them blowing up shit in space and trying to dodge it. <clears throat> and then um, they're talking about Mars and the moon and putting, you know, you got private individuals now involved in the space race. And I, I don't think we've covered it worth a damn all year long. Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to see more done on it. That, I, I got to tell you the, the wildest thing, in recent memory on television was watching William Shatner come out of a space craft. And I'm, I'm going, Hey, if he starts looking for green women, we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 just the fact that you could do that now, I, you know, I, when I was a kid and I was like eight years old when man landed on the moon and I remember going, wow, by the time I'm 50, you know, I'll be living on the moon. I'm just living right. in DC. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so I, I think that's a great story and will be a great story going forward into 2022. Yeah, it really is, man. Um, you know, I think for all the accusations, it's a weird, you know, it's a weird needle to thread, right? For all those guys that then kind of get a, con- a accused of not paying enough attention to people that are vulnerable back on planet earth or there are other things you right. can do. It is important. I think for a long time in the space race, the U S kind of took a backseat for those decades. Like you said, you thought you'd be, you know, we'd be more progressed in this, in this fight concerning the fact that what we've done this year, isn't that different um, from what Alan Shepard did. I mean, you yeah. talk about orbital and, or sub or suborbital flights right. and uh, the celebrity component kind of keeps everyone engaged, right? Shatner, we got Strahan going up there soon, Michael yeah. Strahan and, that kind of keeps the fun celebrity thing that they know what they're doing, right? That's what gives yeah. them uh, live TV coverage 
right. it lets them say, oh, shit, Shatner's going and Wally Funk is going and Michael Strahan's going. And um, but I do think it, it portends for an incredible future that that we will see in our lifetimes. Yeah, I, I hope so. And, you know, every time someone says, well, you know, we got to take care of the problems here on Earth first. Why can't we do both? I mean, right. that's that's exactly what they said about going to the moon in 1969. It was during Vietnam. It was during civil unrest, the civil rights right. era. And all of that are going, why are we going to the moon? Well, you got to take care of our problems on Earth. And uh, when we went to the moon, it gave us uh, everything, including what you and I are talking on now, the internet. It gave us the internet. It gave us computers. It gave us the ability. I mean, all the things that were ancillary to putting a man on the moon. That you know, mm -hmm. when when we put a man on the moon, the computer that we used wouldn't. I, my my telephone has more computing power today mm -hmm. than the computer that was on the lunar module. But none of that would have been possible what we have today without that. So I I support that. You know, why does man climb the mountain? Because it's there. Why are we going to the moon? Right. Because the damn thing's there. Because <laughs> it's there. No, you bring up a good point about when we first went to the moon, right? I mean, that's the era. I mean, LBJ signed Civil Rights Act, Voting yeah. Rights Act. I mean, he he made those, those presidents, right, from, from Kennedy to LBJ to Eisenhower, tremendous strides while also prioritizing yeah. sort of the, the new frontier. That's a very good point. I like that because that that's an era where no one would look back and be like, oh, we didn't get shit done here in the right. country. That's like, no, LBJ signed probably the two most important laws we've ever had in our country around the same in the same decade or so. So very, very well, good point. I, I like the fact that it was also a united effort. It was a president right. challenging us to work together for a common goal. It is mm -hmm. the goal of this nation to put a man on a moon and return him before the end of the decade, which was really brilliant because if he had, had been alive and, and had lived, he, he would have been out of office when, when it, in 69. So, right. so he, he could say, hey, I tried. <laughs> yep. I, I, you know, somewhere he was thinking of that. I, if I challenge yep. him by the end of the decade, if they don't make it, it won't be my fault. I won't be in office. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but we did make it. And we, and, and we had a fire on, a, uh, uh, on the launch pad for Apollo 1 and lost Grissy, Grissom, Chaffee, and White in 1968. Mm. And within a year, in 69, we were on the moon. And that, I, I mean, just, I think what Clinton once said, you know, there's nothing wrong with America that can't be fixed with what's right with America. And when Biden says, you know, never count the you know, United States out, those are that was an example of when I think we really shined. And mm. I, I would like to see that again. Mm -hmm. Well said. So, number one <laughs> what's what's your number one binge watch show my number one show i moved it up to number one because i think it, it plays in with a, a post-pandemic return to the films and the yes. return of cinema and entertainment my number one show was wandavision this year on oh disney plus <laughs> and there's many reasons why i picked it on this list but i think the broader newsy type since that was the original assignment is right. that we are in this incredible moment of Marvel Studios entering phase four. We've never quite seen anything like what Marvel has done for any franchise, for anything in film. The release of the broader Marvel movies now underscore the return to the cinema after this once in a lifetime public health crisis as major motion picture studios are, are fighting with 
release structures. The whole game has changed where we now release content on the big screen for a certain number of days. Now it's in streaming devices. Where do you make more money? Where revenue, which is a completely yeah. game-changing conversation we're only having this year for the first time. So I pick WandaVision number one. I thought that was a wildly inventive show. It fits right in with the MCU flow. And uh, if you had seen it, you know, yes. have you you checked that? So you love those episodes of playing on the, the classic TV tropes, right? Like um, the, well, the the Rob Petrie. Um, they, they did a... Or yeah. Dick Van Dyke show, rather. Dyke, um, you know, all the way through. Bewitched. Beaver. Yeah. Really, really clever storytelling. And I, I do think it's broader point is legitimately one of the biggest news stories in terms of sh the shifting landscape of entertainment that we've only grappled with this year. And I think Hollywood is going to forever, forever be different in terms of content distribution because I, of because of what the challenges of this year. I think news will be as well. But yeah, I, news will be as well. And what you say about uh, this year is also kind of why I picked number one. The number one news story still is the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, it's worldwide. Uh, it mutates. Now we're with the Omicron, Theta, Delta, variant, chronographic, uh, binary, changing land, symptom, whatever the hell. The, that's what, it, yeah. that's the name. That's the proper, yeah. that's the full proper name. Yes. That fucking thing. So that's, that, I think that's the proper name, you know, that fucking thing. But, you know, right. we've gone from Alpha to Delta to Omicron and, um, it's been two years. It's going on two years now that we've dealt with this. And um, that was a question I asked in the briefing room of Fauci the other day. What's the end game? Is it because we're not going to get 100% of the people in this country vaccinated. There are still people who think that if you get, you know, vaccinated, you're you're going to be tracked or that, you know, that there's a gel in there or there's something wrong with it. Uh, for whatever reason, we're not going to get 100%. So what's the end game? Does it evolve mm -hmm. like, you know, the 1917, 1918, 1919 flu pandemic? Uh, it, it never went away. I mean, it's one of the reasons why you take an annual flu shot, but it it mutated to something less lethal because that's what flus, you know, and viruses do is they evolve. And, you know, the strongest survive and what how, how are you going to multiply and survive? You don't kill people. If you kill your host, mm -hmm. you don't get to survive very well. So sure. it eventually evolves, you know, those that don't kill people um, are the ones that stick around. So I think that, you know, what I asked Fauci was, he says, eventually it will end. Well, you know, eventually everything ends. I think mm -hmm. what's the end game and when does this virus become less lethal? When does it end? I think that's looking forward what we got to look at. Do you suspect that a year from now you're doing this podcast in the top 2022 stories? What chance is your number one answer again, the third year of the pandemic? That's, you know, that's a good question, JD. That really is because that's where I'm at. Is it going mm -hmm. to be another year of it? Or do we, we don't know a lot about Omicron yet. Are we going to find that it's you're easily more easily infected, but less likely to die? Then that would show that it's evolving towards that, you know, step that will be, you know, where everything is, is more normal, you know, fewer people die of the virus, things can go back to semi-normal. Or are mm -hmm. we sitting here, is this a, a more virulent strain? And are we sitting here a year from now going, what the fuck happened? It's another year gone by. 
of wearing masks. I think mm-hmm. people are going nuts right, right now having to do it. I if if society is forced for another year to put up with this, I think there are going to be a lot of people checking into funny farms by the next year, <laughs> or brownies will be much more popular. That's mm-hmm. my and, and a reminder that right, right. The, well, the the marijuana boom could also could have been a selection for in terms of the pandemic and, and essential yeah. health services. But you know, you're you're reminded, man, that you know I think rightfully so early last year well into last year the storyline was you know the the loss of life and i think we've moved on to other parts of it but people are still dying man communities families are still being torn apart by this thing and i don't ever want to cover this story as a journalist and not take stock in the fact that even after nearly two years of this there's we still have people in our communities dying and that we still have um you know, families that are, that are being torn apart and that's still a reality. And it's going to be a reality for a while. Yeah. And I, I wonder where we'll be a year from now. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, just ask the questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth with Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, sorry about that break. I almost died. Uh, (laughs) It's easy. I'm good now. Uh, nearly choked to death. On a welcome back. Phone. Yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> anyway, JD. <laughs> well, welcome back to Just Ask the Question, Brian. Nice to have you back on the show. <laughs> it's hey, it's good to be back. I'm glad you took over. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, that was the pandemic, and I and I think going forward, we're going to have to take. There were a couple of runners up. I'll tell you one of the ones I liked uh, that I binge watched over the last year. Yeah, we check out. I'd oh, house. It. I'd never seen it. I feel like you got a lot of house to binge. If you're going to binge house, I feel like you've got a lot, right? It had been on air for quite some time. Yeah, I had never seen it. So I got through the first two or three seasons of it. Great character. Yeah. And then Firefly. I went ahead and binge watched Firefly. I, you know, that had been recommended to me. I never checked it out. You liked it? Yeah. you never seen it? I never seen Firefly, no. You've got to see it. And then watch uh, the movie Serenity, but watch Firefly first. Okay. You'll love it. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, listen, man, I, th- I thank you for coming on the show. You got to come back next time. We'll, we'll have similar top 10 lists maybe. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. <laughs> hey, but although I appreciate, I appreciate the fact that we came, I came in with a different assignment, but you know what? We found a way to make it work. It we worked. found the tie-in by the end of it because <laughs> these are become pretty newsy stories at the end of the day. But my man, yeah. listen, honestly, great, great. It's a great privilege to join you, man. And if I if I could say to people that listen to you that, um, not to embarrass you, but to embarrass you for a second, that I've been here in D.C. for several years and uh, I've never quite met someone uh, who leads by example the way that you do. You've always been an absolutely tremendous leader and friend to so many of us in the press corps. And oh, well, Brian, you. there's no doubt, dude, I'm I'm a better journalist and I'm a, I'm a better person because because uh, we've been pals down here, man, for all these years. And, and you do the, you do incredible work 
uh, as a journalist. And, and I really appreciate the opportunity to join your show, man. That, that's very sincere. You're, there's, there's no one quite like you, especially break out your Rodney Dangerfield impression in the White House basement or in the press core room. <laughs> Everyone else is sitting there so quiet. <laughs> Hey, hey, I, hey, I get, get no respect. That never was all buttoned up. And you're you're an elite. You are an elite. You're a league of your own, my man. You really are. You so thank you were very you there, much. Were you there the day I got uh, Trump to come over to us doing Rodney? What on the south? The South Lawn? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had, you know, during the beginning of his administration, he had cruised past us and didn't stop for chopper talk. I mean, he was just like every other right. president going past us. And then one day, I saw him with the hair flowing and the red tie the white shirt and the dark suit and i said my god he looks like rodney and so he's walking by and he's waving i said tough room mr president and he turned around and then came over and talked to us and and thus began chopper talk thus began chopper talk yep and and your 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 exchange with him man towards the end of the white house do you commit yeah. To a peaceful trip, right? I mean, that that's a moment as a question as a reporter that will live for the rest of American history, that exchange. I genuinely believe that. I really well, do. Thank you. That's, you know, I, um, yeah, I'll, I'll buy the first drink. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. What, what are we having, bourbon? That's <laughs> yeah, always, always. There you go. That's, yeah. So anyway, JD, thanks for sticking around and being on the show. Thank We'd you, love man. to have you back. The name of the show is Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. Thanks. We'll catch you next time. Have a happy new year, everybody. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash J-A-T-Q podcast.